Uh, Stay standing for the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 127. May you be blessed by the reading of God's Word. You may be seated this morning. It's one of those psalms as I've been preparing for and studying for. Uh, it's been a very difficult week in studying it. and so. Uh, but in the last few days, there's one small verse that kind of leaps out on the page. And as I've been reflecting about us here at Powell's Chapel a few weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about this idea of anxiety. Remember that sermon? We talked about anxiety and what anxiety can do for us. And so as I've been preparing, there's this one little phrase that just continued to jump out. Um, So I want to talk about that this morning. And so I want to start with verse 1 and 2. But verse 2c is what I really want to spend our time on this morning. And this is what the psalmist says. Some people, some of the scholars say it was Solomon that wrote it. Other people say it was David that wrote it to Solomon. Either way, there's this psalm that ought to capture all of our heart. And so this is what he says. The psalmist says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman Stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. And so there's this one word over and over in those two verses. It's the word vain. It it comes from this idea of it's all useless. And so what the psalmist is saying, it doesn't matter how hard you work, if you don't work as if you're working for the Lord, if you don't build your house and build it as if you're building it for the Lord, it's in vain. It's worthless. It's pointless. Now, that's not to say that if you build a house and you don't do it for the Lord, that the house is going to fall to pieces. We can see that all over the world, that there's these massive structures that were most likely built in vain, but are still standing, right? You go to New York City, you go overseas, you can see huge, huge, huge structures that were built in vain so what is the psalmist saying to us what is he saying to us when he says to us in verse 2 unless the lord watches over the city the watchmen stay awake in vain what is he saying that that you have to even secure the land and and all do it for the lord no that that's not true either we see that all over the world too and then he says in verse 2 it is in vain that you stay up that you rise up early and go uh, to late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And so what the psalmist is getting at, he's saying to us, we can do all this work, and all this work apart from Christ Jesus will always lead back to anxiety. Anyone ever experienced that? Okay, I guess I'm the only one again. It's awfully lonely sometimes up here at the pulpit. So oftentimes I can get in my own head and do all this stuff. 
And I'll go to bed with an anxious mind. And there's only that one respite of sleep. And even then, my dreams can kind of torment me. Like I go to bed thinking one thing, and then all of a sudden, somehow, some miraculous way, it shows up in the most mysterious, crazy ways in my dreams. And then I wake up anxiously in the morning. Only one. Well, what, what is the psalmist saying to us then? And what jumps out on the page is this, and there's this small little promise in this psalm. Do you see the small little promise? Right? It comes at the very end of him talking about all this anxiety, all this working, all this toiling, all this watching, all this eating your anxious thoughts. And he says this, For he, God, gives to his beloved sleep. Another translation of that word sleep is rest. How many of us this morning, remember two weeks ago, asked the question, I'll continue to ask, because I think it's prevalent. I think this is what God has us as a church. God has us as a people. How many of us really want rest? Yeah. So what is the psalmist saying to us here when he says in that, that verse, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Circle the word beloved in your Bibles. You know, the, the Hebrew word of beloved in this text comes from the word Jedidiah. Jedidiah means beloved of Yahweh. That is, if you go to Psalm, uh, Solomon's chapter, uh, the second book of Solomon, chapter 12, verse 23, you know what Solomon's name was? Jedidiah. So here's this promise, not just to, to a people group, but to a person. And he's saying, hey, Jedediah, hey, Solomon, the one I love, I will give you rest. It's a very personal invitation. And so this morning, put your name there. Put your name where it says, for he gives life. He gives sleep to Jared. He gives sleep to Jenny. He gives sleep to Frank. He gives sleep to Jan. He gives sleep to Jerry. He's giving this very personal invitation. And so for you and me, I would want to know, gosh, I would want to know how to get rest. Anyone like, hey, if you got the magic pill for rest, let me know. I would take that pill in a heartbeat. Even as a drug addiction counselor, I would take the pill to find rest. And so let's turn over and we'll spend the bulk of our time this morning in Matthew chapter 11. It's a very familiar passage. He's talking and he says this, Jesus himself say this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Does that not sound like what Solomon had just written back in Psalm chapter 127? Hey, if you do all this work, all this labor, and you do it in vain, you'll never find rest. And so Jesus says, hey, all those that are working tirelessly, come to me. If you're heavy laden, Come to me, and what? I will give you what? Rest. Remember, that's the promise that comes out of Psalm 127. Rest, sleep. And Jesus is saying here, the invitation is come to him, and you'll find what you're looking for. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what the great Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher in England said about this text. And I love this quote. He said, here's a gracious invitation of the gospel in which the Savior's tears and smiles are blended as in a covenant rainbow of promise. You see, this is a promise from God. This is a promise from Jesus. And what do we know about the promises of Jesus? They always come true. Right? Do we believe that this morning? That the promises that we can find in Scripture always come true. And so here's a promise out of Psalm 127 and here in Matthew 11 that says, Hey, I will give you rest. Who wants that this morning? Well, here's the promise. We're going to see how do we find rest this morning? How does this promise come true for you? How does it come true for me? How does it come true for us here at Powell's Chapel? The first thing I want you to underline in your Bibles comes out of this. We must have faith. The first point is you must have faith. Just underline those first three words. Come to me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. That's an invitation. Here Jesus is in the throne room of God, handing out personal invitations. Get get that in your mind. This is not that he did not put this on a billboard. He did not put this in the newspaper. He he hand delivers this invitation to all of us. Hey, you want rest? Come to me. It's a very personalized invitation to all of us. It's open to everyone. That invitation isn't for a select people. That invitation is for everyone. So you're here this morning, believer, unbeliever, the invitation is come to me. But here's the deal. How many of us have had an invitation before that we never showed up to? Because we didn't, A, think it would be worth our time or it would be getting away of something or it wasn't really what we were wanting or hoping for. Anyone done that before? Okay, I guess I'm, again, the only one that declines invitations. Right, and so here's this personalized invitation, but it's going to take a piece of faith on our part that says, hey, the one that's inviting me will really bring to fruition what the invitation's all about. Right? Do I really believe when he says, come to me, then I'll give you rest? Do I believe that? It's going to take faith to believe that. Amen? And do we have the faith to believe that God, through Jesus, will bring rest for our souls? You know, we talked about it several weeks ago. You know, we get invitations all day, every day, from a thousand and one things. Just turn on your TV. Every commercial is an invitation that if you see that product, that product will bring you blank. That's an invitation. You'll go from here and you'll go to lunch and you'll see all the billboards and as you drive, you'll see invitation after invitation after invitation for your satisfaction, correct? You'll get to where you go eat and you'll open the menu and they don't put every picture of their food on their menu. They just pull the ones that are the most expensive and maybe look the best so that you'll buy it. 
It's very clever. And here Jesus is. In the world around us where there's all these invitations, he's offering us an invitation. Who is he inviting? He's inviting those who are tired. He's inviting those who are poor. He is inviting those who toss and turn in their bed. He's inviting those who in some way want to refuse him already. He's inviting all to come to him to find rest. But it will take some faith on our part to respond to the invitation. This is the great part of Jesus and what Jesus is all about. He's not just sending out one invitation. He sends out an invitation all day, every day. He he doesn't wear out on postage. He doesn't wear out on the invitation. Here Jesus is all day, every day. As much as you reject him, he's sending out the invitation. Oh, come to me. Come to me. Oh, please come to me. I can just hear in the voice of Jesus. It's, it's at this, like, it's where, where, what Spurgeon says. There's these tears flowing from Jesus because he knows some of us won't come. And yet there's this smile because he knows that some of us will come. But the invitation will never change. But it will take faith on our part. And who's the invitation to? Right? We talked about the poor and the the ones that are tossing and turning. But this is who the invitation is for in Matthew 11. Two different people, two different groups, maybe some are in the same, but he he makes a distinction. All who labor, underline that in your Bibles, and all that are heavy laden. And so what is Jesus saying? Why would he say these two words? Those who labor and those who are heavy laden. Don't they sound like the same thing? Well, they're not at all in the Hebrew. In the Greek, they're not at all the same. What the word labor means is to carry on a work to utter exhaustion. I think many of us are there. We keep doing the same old thing over and over and over and over again, hoping to get a different result. The, The psychologists call that insanity. Jesus calls it labor. And what are what is he talking about this word labor? See, this word labor has everything to do externally. He's talking to us in the room that think we can work our way to Jesus. That we can work our way to righteousness. That we can work our way into his approval. And so we tirelessly do all these things and don't do all these things to utter exhaustion. And Jesus is saying to us, hey, those who labor do all this external stuff, Come to me, and you'll figure out you don't have to do anything. It's already done for you. Read the Sermon on the Mount. All this stuff you keep doing and working till your bones are tired, he's saying, hey, come, stop. Just stop. Stop working so hard. And I wonder if that's you in the room. Oh, if I could just do more, if I could just get wake up early, if I could just do this or do this, or I'm not doing this, or I need to stop doing this, and I need to start doing this. And that's all your mind is consumed with, what you should and shouldn't do externally. 
Because then anywhere and everywhere you go, you're thinking, oh, how, 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 how do I do this? How do I please the Lord? And Jesus is like, oh, oh, please stop. Because when you get the invitation, you come to me and you sit at my table, you will stop. And then Jesus says this. He says, not only those who labor, but are who are every heavy laden. It's the idea of these burdens that you've been placed on yourself. Like a heavy laden is a burden. The saddest part is many, many of those burdens have probably been placed on you by religion. Get the word, religion. God is not concerned about a religion. God is concerned about a relationship. And when we put external burdens onto us, those external burdens always take us out of relationship. Here's how I know that. Think of it in this way with your spouse. You don't want a spouse that does external laboring, external heavy laboring. If I come to Jenny and I buy her flowers and I say, Jenny, here's flowers because I have to do it. You think she's going to want to accept those? Like, I'm doing this because I have to do it. Oh, Jenny, I'm doing this because I shouldn't do it. That takes me out of relationship with her. And God is the same way. God is not concerned about what we do and don't do in the sense of externally. He cares what we do and don't do internally of the heart. If we don't do these things and we do do these things and it's just based on external things, there's no heart change in any of that. And what Jesus is saying, when you come to me, all those things you're doing, you may or may not do in the future, but it will become from a place of resting in me. You'll rest in me, and when you rest in me, you will do those things or you won't do those things. And Jesus is saying, come, those who are heavy laden. Here's a few things. It looks like to find God and find God's rest. God's rest is will always cease from efforts of self-help. Like when I find rest in, in God, I don't have to do any more self-help. The largest section in any bookstore. It's what the world is making a market out of us. Get self-help. Do it on your own. Do it faster. Do it quicker. Do it better. Do, do you do it. You do it. You do it. And God's rest, rest says, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. The second one is this. God's rest always brings freedom. If you're here this morning and you don't feel free, I'd say you're not resting. Because we got a God who is all about your freedom and my freedom. And when you are heavy laden or you have a burden, you have a shackle around your ankle and you are dragging this thing around. Maybe it's anxiety for you. But maybe for you this morning, there's some sin that you've shackled yourself to. And you're not finding rest because you know there's this ongoing, unrepented sin in your life. If you have sin in your life, you will never have freedom. 
That's the gift of repentance. Gift of repentance says, hey, the shackle has been removed. And so maybe you're here this morning, you don't have rest. And you need to do an internal look in your heart. Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Is there any pride in my life? Do I have ego in my life? Is there sexual sin in my life? Is there idolatry in my life? Whatever it is in your life, if you don't have freedom this morning, I'd say start with a sin inventory. And just see, just ask God, God, reveal to my heart, is there any unconfessed sin? And if there is, maybe that's, why I, that's the reason I have no freedom. And because I want freedom, I'll confess that sin, Lord Jesus. God's rest always brings assurance. You see, that's where anxiety comes from. Correct? If we take anxiety and we take a lack of rest, it comes from we're not really sure God can do what he can do. That's what we're ultimately saying in our anxiety. Which says, then I've got to do all this stuff to make sure it happens or doesn't happen. But when we rest in God, we have the assurance that God is going to do and say what he's going to do and say he's going to accomplish his goal in my life. I can rest assure in that now i'm not saying that's always easy but we can rest in his assurance the last thing is when we rest in the lord when we truly rest in the lord we become totally dependent on him i don't know about you i don't know if you remember this but i I was and i still am I, i was telling jenny last night we went to a park uh, and it's dark. I'm terrified of the dark. You guys know that. Don't play any jokes on me. My karate will come out. It, it will not be a good scene for me and probably for you. But, but I think of that so often in my own life. And, and I know we, I tease about it and make fun about it. But man, there's nothing better for me than when I rest and someone's watching over me. Like when my kids go to sleep, they want the assurance that mom and dad are somewhere in the house watching over them, correct? Did your kids not want that? Like, are you sure you're going to be like within earshot of me screaming out loud and I'll come in the room? But that's the rest we have with the Lord. When we rest in the Lord, the Lord is looking over us like this. He's not wandering. He's not thinking of other things. He's not preoccupied with what's going on around the other side of the world. He is watching over you every moment of every day. And when we believe that and have faith in that, then we can rest and we can just say, but it'll take faith to do that. That takes an enormous amount of faith to believe that God is watching me all day long not because he wants to get me not because he's looking out to make sure i stay within the bounds he is just watching over me to care for me i can rest in that you see that's why it makes so much sense when we go back to psalm 127 hey those who do all these things you're not resting because they're not ultimately believing that God is who God says he is and will do what God says he did, will do. And so you're having to make sure it all happens. And God is saying, just rest. Church, just rest. 
Rita, just rest. Larry, just rest. Donna, just rest. Miss Patty, just rest. When's the last time you had a spiritual sigh? Or maybe for that matter, an emotional sigh. Or a true, like, just like, just plop down somewhere. Shoes off, hair undone. I mean, just like, boom. That's what God is saying to us. So that's the promise. He'll watch over us. He'll let us rest. What is our part in it, though? We have to play a part in it. Correct? That's what the passage says. So what's our part? How do we find rest? And this is going to sound like an oxymoron. The only way to have true rest is through true submission. Right? Is that not what he says in the passage? Right? The only way to really have rest. You want rest for your soul? You come to me, I'll give you rest. But this is what you've got to do in it. It's what he says in 29. Take my yoke upon you. That's the command. The promise is I'll give you rest. The command is now you take something on to you. And what does he say to take? He says this to take a yoke. The yoke was this wooden device that was laid on the shoulder of animals so they could wear up in order to present chafing from what they were doing. So it was this resting device as they were plowing the fields so that they wouldn't get even more hurt. The metaphor is the same. But in that yoke, they had to submit to the yoke in order to get the job done. You, you see, if, if the animal wanted to fight against the yoke, it would be a disaster for the animal, for the farmer, for the field. And so what would have to happen is the animal would have to submit to the yoke in order to get the job done. And the same is true for us. If you want real, lasting rest, you must submit to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it look like for us to take His yoke upon us? He tells us that. Take my yoke upon me. And what? Learn from me. The greatest way to learn how to rest is found in these 66 books. It's not by hearing me. It's not by singing. It's not by the next greatest convention. It's not by anything else. The way to rest in the Lord is to take this yoke and put it on your shoulders and let the farmer, God, plow with you where he wants you to go. But you must submit. The way you submit, do you know the word of God? Do you know God's word? This is the yoke. And so we must submit ourselves to this. Don't submit yourself to me. It will lead you in a disaster. But will you and will I take God's yoke, God's holy word, and learn from him? Because why? He says it. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word gentle in this metaphor is amazing. Here God is behind the oxen with the yoke. He's not whipping us to get it done. He is gently guiding us along where he desires us to go. 
Right? If, if the oxen in, in this story, in this metaphor, if an oxen wants to decide to go to the right, what, is the, what does the farmer do? He pulls gently so it will go straight. If he wants to go to the other way, he pulls gently. And God is saying, hey, I will guide your life as long as you submit to me. If you submit to me, man, we're heading in one direction and one direction only. You know what that direction is? You will find your most rest when you figure out how to glorify God in all that you do. That's the direction that Jesus is always headed in. He said it. He said it in the garden. He said it on the cross. He said it at the resurrection. He said it at the decision. I am here to glorify God. And anyone that wants to follow me, you must follow me in glorifying God. And if you want to find rest, you will find rest in one way only. It's by glorifying God. But it comes through submission. And so church, this morning, are you being obedient to Christ and his, and his wanting you to submit to the glory of God? Like, as you take an inventory, as we get ready to close, is it true about you and all that you do and all that you say and all that you think, do you glorify God? God. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Two different places in this chapter. Paul says this. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. And whatever you do, listen to that freedom. You can do whatever you want to do. Whatever you do. Paul says in Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks or glorifying God the Father through him. Whatever you do. I mean, what freedom is that? Whatever you do, church, everything that you do, everything that I do, if you want to find rest, do it as if you're glorifying God through Christ Jesus. That word through is the most important word of the text. You can't glorify God without Christ Jesus. It's impossible. And then he says it this way, just a few short verses later. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as if you're working for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as you were rewarded. What's our inheritance? It goes back to Matthew chapter 11. The inheritance is rest. Rest for your souls, assurance for your souls. That, that, that inheritance is what we find through and only through Christ Jesus. It's eternal life. See, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you will never, ever, 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 ever experience true rest. It's impossible. So if you don't know Christ this morning, the invitation is to you. Come to me. It's the invitation he's offering. If you don't know Christ this morning, you want rest for your souls, come to him. It's the invitation of a lifetime. 
But church, it's not just for the unbeliever. The passage says it's for everyone. And so church, believer, if you want rest for your souls this morning, come to him. And come to him with faith. Come to him with repentance. And come to him with submission. And you will find rest for your souls. Pals Chapel. We work hard around here. We do a lot around here. But what God's been stirring in my heart is this one thing. In all the work that we do, is it restful? Is it restful? Because if it's not restful, then we're probably not doing it for the Lord. Like, is all that we're doing, are we trying to glorify man and please man? And are we, man, everything that we do, our eyes are set on the cross. Our eyes are set to glorify God. You see, the promise is true. Whatever you do, glorify God. The promise is true. You come to him, you will find rest for your souls. Let us be a restful church, Palace Chapel. Let us rest and rest well. God, your invitation extends to all humanity. But God, as it extends to all humanity, it's a very personalized invitation. Oh, Todd, come to me. Michael, come to me. Keith, come to me. Jack, come to me. Paul, come to me. Tracy, come to me. Odalene, come to me. Jan, come to me. Jerry, come to me. So you can have rest for your souls. Robert, come to me. Miss Marilyn, come to me. Come to me, my children, so you can find rest for your souls.